2030, The Real Story of What Happens to America, by Albert Brooks, narrated by Dick Hill. Copyright 2011 by Albert Brooks. This unabridged audiobook is published by arrangement with Albert Brooks, care of William Morris Endeavor Entertainment, LLC, and was produced in the year 2011 by Tantor Media, Incorporated, which holds the copyright thereto. For my wife, Kimberly, and my children, Jacob and Claire. Chapter 1 It was a normal day, or so it seemed. Actually, nothing in 2030 seemed normal. Not to Brad Miller, anyway. Brad was surprised at how many people showed up for his 80th birthday. Surprised because he had these friends in the first place, and surprised at how healthy they all were. This was not what people in their eighties were supposed to look like. Sure, the lifts helped, along with the tucks and the hair and the new weight loss drug, which, while only seven years on the market, had become the biggest selling drug in the history of the world. That's what happens when a chemical works almost one hundred percent of the time in everyone. But still, Brad thought, these folks look good. And they did. They were thin, healthy, all looking better than their parents were at forty. The only thing missing were younger people. Brad couldn't remember the last time he'd seen a young person at his birthday. Other than his son, whom he never talked to anyway, he didn't even know anyone under fifty. Nor did any of his friends. There was just too much resentment and too much fear. As the lights dimmed, the customary life movie played in the middle of the room, holographic style. People were getting tired of these. It was one thing to watch home movies of someone else. It was another to feel like you were in them. It was like boredom squared. But people watched. They laughed and told Brad how much fun it was to see him age. He, like many of them, actually looked better now than he had ten years ago. But it was funny. Where once that was a compliment relating to how you lived your life, whether you ate well or exercised enough or got a good night's sleep, now it was just about what you could afford. And once cancer had been cured, the youth business went crazy. Most people in that room were only in their twenties when Richard Nixon declared a war on cancer. Like all the wars going on at the time, this one seemed to have little success. The progress was so slow. Still, people held out hope that when they got older there would be a cure for what ailed them. But when the year 2000 rolled in, there they were, bald, fat, and ugly. And there was still cancer. But everyone in that room, probably everyone in the world, remembered where they were when they heard the news. Oh, there had been so many hopeful stories over the years, so many false starts, so many mice that were cured, but when the human trials started, people dropped dead of all kinds of things that had never bothered a mouse. But then it happened, and like all of the greatest discoveries, from Newton to Einstein, Dr. Sam Mueller's cure was so exquisitely simple. Dr. Mueller was no genius. He grew up fairly normal in Addison, Illinois. A big night out was going to Chicago for pizza.
After graduating Rush Medical College, Sam Mueller interned at Rush Presbyterian St. Luke's Medical Center, and then, realizing that making a living as an internist was going to be tough at best, he started looking elsewhere. He thought of concierge medicine, which was all the rage, but decided to take a fairly lucrative position at Pfizer. He figured he would do that for a while, and then something would unfold. Oh my, did it unfold. Mueller had always been interested in the immune system. So much in medicine was pointing to the body's own defenses as a cure-all, but the success rates were modest at best. He was assigned various projects at Pfizer. Some were interesting, some he hated. He never understood the Viagra for women thing. Every woman he ever knew could go all night, have a bowl of cereal, and go for another afternoon.